This podcast is brought to you by Nir Eyal, the author of a new book entitled Indistractable, How to Control Your Attention and Choose Life. Please listen to podcast number 764, where Nir and Greg speak about the need to learn how to avoid distractions if we want to accomplish our goals, as well as spend quality time with those we love. We can be indistractable by learning and adopting four key strategies, mastering internal triggers, hacking back external triggers, making time for traction, and preventing distractions with packs. If you want to learn more about Nir and his new book, Indistractable, please visit www.nirandfar.com spelt n-i-r-a-n-d-f-a-r.com where you can obtain a free copy of his 80-page supplemental workbook thanks for listening uh welcome back to inside personal growth this is greg Voison, the host of inside personal growth and Stephen, as i do all the time i thank my listeners you know uh they are the heartbeat of this show they are the ones that support me they're the ones that continually come back again and again and again for all of you listening to this. Thank you. Thank you for your support. We're in a new year. This is 2020. And uh, this actually happens to be the first podcast, uh, Stephen, of 2020. So congrats for being uh, the guest on this show. Um, Thank you, Greg. I'm glad to be here. Well, we have uh, Stephen Kessler joining us from Albany, California. And that is Northern California, just north of San Francisco. And the way I came across Stephen's work was actually as a result of my massage therapist here in Encinitas. And his book is called The Five Personality Patterns, Your Guide to Understanding Yourself and Others and Developing Emotional Maturity. Well, good day to you, Stephen. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks very much. Glad to be here, Greg. Well, we're happy to have you on, and all of our listeners most of the time are always interested in learning more about how they can understand what's going on with the patterns that they have with inside themselves, personal growth, as as well as other people um, that are affecting them around them. And I'm going to let our listeners know a little bit about you. Stephen Kessler has been a licensed psychotherapist for almost 30 years. He's studied many different maps of personality and many healing modalities, including character structure, the Enneagram, energy work, EFT, emotional freedom techniques, and various meditation and spiritual practices. Since 1984, Stephen has taught hundreds of groups and seminars in the U.S. and internationally, helping men and women heal their wounds and grow into their full adult selves. Well, that is really what we'd like all of our listeners to understand, this true self versus this self that's kind of covered up um, by some of, you know, our childhood traumas. And Stephen, if you would, tell the listeners about, you know, why you wrote this book and what you hope they're going to learn from not only our podcast, but purchasing a copy of your book. Um, ultimately, and going deeper into this other than just the the podcast. Yeah. Um, The way I came to write this is that I had begun uh, really seriously studying maps of personality back in 1987 when I started studying the Enneagram with Helen Palmer. And I found that map of personality to be tremendously useful to me and was quite a student of it for like 20 years. And 
then I discovered uh, the character structure map of personality. I came to it through an oral teaching, which was quite different than the, the published material. And I found this map of personality to be so much clearer and more true to life and actually more useful in understanding yourself and in understanding other people and in communicating with other people that I thought, man, this should be better known. But when I looked around, I realized that it's, it was kind of um, hidden away in the backwaters of uh, psychology and of um, energetic healing, the kind of healing that, you know, you have to be able to see auras in order to get into, into that kind of stuff. And I thought this really should be available to um, therapists in general, like me, and certainly to the general public. So I made it my, my job to uh, pull all those, those threads, those lineages together and um, make it understandable to the general public because the, the stuff that had been written on it before was pretty hard to, to get into. Right. So no, that's the been my goal. Was, yeah. And so uh, who were some of the psychotherapists or people previously that, you know, these five personality patterns, or I should say these came from or evolved from that you yeah. literally uh, worked to kind of weave together in, I love your book because, you know, anyone can read this. You don't have to be a psychotherapist to understand what Stephen's trying to get across here. But who were some of those folks that you studied and weave the patterns together to come up with this? Yeah, this this map actually began back in the 1930s with Wilhelm Reich, who was a star student of uh, Freud. And Reich approached it from a Freudian point of view, which was very pathological. And then some of his students um, continued it on. It was turned into biogenic, bioenergetics by Alexander Lowen and um, John Pirakos, who was another student of Reich's. Mm-hmm. And then more recently, books have been written on it by Stephen Johnson and uh, Anodea Judith. And on the, the energy healing side, it's been mostly uh, Barbara Brennan's books that have uh-huh. referred to it. Well, it is a it is a fascinating study and obviously these uh behind here you have articulated principles uh behind the mm-hmm. map of what you call survival patterns. And you know, um I'm a, a graduate of University of Santa Monica with a degree master's degree in spiritual psychology. So we used a lot of this in in the coursework that we did. Um, and you are, articulate these principles in the map of what you call survival patterns. Can you tell mm-hmm. uh, what some of those principles are? You have many that are listed right in the beginning of the book. Um, yeah. But I think it would be good for our listeners to understand these principles. Yeah, um, there are too many for us to, to go over all of them right now. But the, the gist of it is that our natural state is being present and by present i mean that our attention is in the here and now it is not caught or distorted by some trauma from the past it is not projected into the future into some fear about what might happen or some hope about what might happen 
it is actually able to be here in the present moment without distortion. That's what I mean by being present. Yeah, and, and that that be here now is pretty simple principle, but also exactly. very very hard for our mind and our bodies to actually sustain. Um, there is something, and I know that you're going to be speaking about this because being here now and staying in the present and doing meditation and so on, you know, there's so many distractions for us. There's so many ways that we can get thrown off of being here now. So what is the difference between this being present and being in a pattern? What happens to our perception um, that you speak about in the book? Yeah, this um, this call to be here now, which we hear from so many spiritual teachers, is great. The problem is they aren't able to tell us what is in the way and how to remove those obstacles most of the time. Um, and what is actually in the way of us being here now is that our attention is caught in habits. We have habits of attention that are held in place by these personality patterns, and the personality patterns are fueled by traumas that are still stuck in our bodies. Our bodies are conditioned and our minds are conditioned to hold our attention only in particular ways, and those ways are what we learned as children to try to keep ourselves safe but they distort our experience of the world in some very drastic ways. So we see the world in a way that is not complete and not accurate. Yes. Yeah, so, and of course, we, we so all think of, that we are seeing the whole world and we're not. Right. So Stephen, much of your saying is it's patterns that we bring forward. Then it seems to be that those patterns, I don't know if the word exacerbated is there, but then we attract mm-hmm. into our lives much of what is there in an energy that we're holding from the past, right? And mm-hmm. this is what I've experienced personally, and it it's hard to work on. When you look at the people that are around you, the circumstances and events that are in your life, the things that come to you as a result of your thinking, as the result of you holding these patterns, um, mm-hmm. the, at some point you call these these survival patterns were created. And what is the charge and discharge cycle that you talk about in the book? Yeah, um, our bodies naturally um, want to accumulate charge and then discharge that. Uh, The accumulation of charge can be experienced as excitement or anger or fear or any kind of emotional charge. It can be joy. Um, And it's it's quite natural. If, If you've ever, you know, taken care of a baby, you know that the baby likes you to play with it and tickle it and and, um, you know, get the baby excited. And then it wants your help in just calming back down again. Our bodies have this natural charge and then discharge cycle. We, um, that can get distorted by our various personality patterns. And the, the problem with the patterns from the thing you were saying a moment ago is that the, these are patterns because they are self-perpetuating. 
And what we do in each of these patterns, it, suppose we're using one of these patterns to try to feel safer in the world. The thing that we do to try to feel safer actually tends to attract the kind of trouble we're trying to avoid. If the thing really worked, it wouldn't become a personality pattern. Uh-huh. So we're getting more of what we don't want. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's holding in place our sense of who we think we are and who we think the world is and how we think it treats us. So we develop this whole story about who I am and who the world is and what my place is. And that gets reinforced, even though it's not accurate. And then we live our lives basically sort of like in a prison that we can't see, but our patterns are running our lives. And that's the main problem. That's the thing that I want people to understand that, that they can change. Yeah. Because and- we, don't, we don't normally experience ourselves as not having free will, but then we keep doing the same things we didn't intend to do and we don't know why. Well, as you stated in the book, they're self-perpetuating. And and exactly. I was going to ask you, can you explain how this happens and how we can take notice and charge, uh, or I should say, and change those survival patterns? Because if these are self-perpetuating, it's like, I just did an interview with BJ Fogg on tiny habits, right? Uh-huh. Uh, the way you break as a behavioral scientist, those tiny uh, tiny habits are what change big habits, right? So no uh-huh. matter, or near uh, a lie is another author of a book called uh, Indistractable. So the whole world now mm-hmm. is focused on, you know, how do I maintain my focus? How do I stay more productive? Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. do I change a habit? How do I do whatever? And actually, when you look at what you've created, you may not be one of those authors that's out there talking about that. But in essence, your work does the same thing, but it does it more permanently. You know, it can do it permanently when people understand the patterns, right? Yes. When we talk about coming out of pattern, I'm talking about um, coming out of a mental and energetic habit that is so big that you think it is you coming out of that and being able to simply be present in the moment. And in terms of how to come out of your patterns, the the first task, of course, is to recognize what your patterns are. So that requires learning this map to some degree so that you can begin to recognize the signs that you are in a particular pattern or that someone else is in a particular pattern. And when you know which patterns you tend to go into when you get distressed, you can then um, take steps to teach your body how to come back to being present. And you need to uh, practice those skills even when you're not caught in a pattern so that they are there for you when you realize you really are caught in pattern. Yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, it does. And I don't think you will eliminate pattern. What you will do is you will notice the pattern you're in and, and have an opportunity to shift 
it or shift out of it. Um, I think it's a state that we go back and forth most of our lives now. Now, you also mentioned that there are stages that are underlying these survival patterns. And we're going to get to those survival patterns, uh, listeners, in a second. But what are the main tasks of these five development stages? In other words, you've articulated, you've got a chart Mm -hmm. in the book. It's very well laid out. It's a, it's a couple of pages that run through and identify the characteristics of each of these patterns, and we are going to identify them, but you also talk about these main tasks of these five development stages. What are yeah. those tasks, briefly, for our listeners, if you could let them know? Yeah, so there are lots of ways to map the process of uh, human development from you know, an, an infant to an adult. And uh, the way I have, the the parts I've chosen to highlight are five developmental stages that actually correlate to these five personality patterns. And the, the task of the first stage is embodiment. That is bringing your awareness, your, your life energy, your attention into the, the physical body and actually anchoring it there. In psychology, we talk a lot about attachment, meaning emotional attachment of one human being to another. This predates that. This is the attachment of the person's awareness of spirit, if you want to call it that, into the physical body and the physical world. And if a person has not succeeded in completing that stage of embodiment, they have difficulty navigating in the physical world. And when scared, they tend to leave their body. Uh, It's certainly, your your work is so well grounded and I'm glad you were able to find this and bring it forth in the book because if people really take this, if all they did was to look at the chart and understand where they were in Mm -hmm. these five survival patterns, if they didn't read anything else of the book, that's an identifying point. And you have the chart in the book that articulates these five survival Mm -hmm. patterns. I'd like for you to briefly explain the patterns of leaving, merging, enduring, aggressive, and rigid, because this is really the essence of the book. Every chapter following that is about fundamentally you know, what are the gifts that we get from that? But what are the psychological patterns behind these? But if you could, I think that is a key point here is what are those five survival patterns? Yeah, the, uh, you can think of these survival patterns as each one developing out of and being based on a safety strategy, a strategy that a child or an infant can use when they feel unsafe, when they feel upset or distressed. Now, if you're an infant, or even if you're still in the womb, you can't do a lot in the physical world. You can't do a lot in terms of like fighting back or running away or anything like that. What you can do is move your attention. So these are actually five ways that a person can move their attention to try to feel safer. And the first way is 
you can move your attention away from whatever is scaring you or whoever is scaring you. So you tend to move your attention away from other people, um, which could mean away from your body. That would tend to um, create the leaving pattern. Um, it could be that you physically leave the situation. The mm -hmm. second thing that you can do, the second safety strategy you can use. To try what is, to what is uh, Stephen, leaving? What would that feel like? Let's talk about the, the essence. I mean, I think people run from things, right? doesn't matter uh -huh. if you're a baby or you're an adult. If you're an adult, a baby can't, but an adult can. They can they can brush it under yeah. the they can brush it under the rug their emotions right that's what we say put it under the carpet um they can they can they can hold it in with inside themselves you know but in this yeah. case you're saying they're just dismissing they're leaving they're going someplace else they're trying to protect themselves from the hurt as a result of leaving is that did yeah. i get that right it's it's not denial in the psychological sense of saying it's not important it's not dismissing, it's minimizing it. It's actually moving your attention away from whatever is distressing you. Now, even an infant can do that, actually, um, can move their attention away, even though they can't move their physical body. But that's one of the five basic ways you can move your attention. Let me just name the five and, and so that people can get a sense of what the options here and then come back and fill in the uh, fill in the, the blanks. Details. Great. And then yeah. we're, we're, we're going to leave, then we're going to merge. Yeah. So the first safety strategy is to move your attention away from what's distressing you. The second is to move your attention toward the person that is upsetting you to try to connect with them and get them to treat you better or to make it better. So it's, it's, this is, you could think of this as um, infant and mother. The infant is upset and reaches out to mom to say, you know, soothe me, take care of me, help me feel better here. The third safety strategy would be to pull your energy in and send it down in your body, even down into the earth below your body to hide from whatever is upsetting you. Uh, this is different from away in that away is is frequently out of uh, out of your body and out of this realm. This is a pulling in and down to endure. You you hunker down and hide and let the storm blow over. The problem here is you tend to get stuck down there. The fourth uh, strategy, safety strategy you can use, is the opposite of the third one. In the fourth one, you pull the energy up inside you, you bring up as much energy as possible, and you send it out at the other people to try to intimidate them or fight with them or dominate them, to try to be bigger and stronger and make them stop doing whatever it is that's bothering you. And then the fifth strategy is, it's sort of like turning down the volume inside yourself. You feel that distress inside your body because of the flow of life energy coming through your body. So the thing you can do is tighten up your body. It's like ring contractions up your torso 
to try to constrict that flow of energy through your body so that you feel less. And because you feel less, you feel less scared or upset or distressed. Well, all of those those uh, pa- survival patterns, they make complete sense. Leaving, merging, enduring, aggressive, rigid. It, it, it just, it seems like they would progressively kind of go that way, right? You might, you, you might try one or two of them. You might even blend them. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about that because it's, it's not a matter of just leaving. It might be a matter of leaving and enduring or leaving and being aggressive or whatever it is. So mm-hmm. in your chapters on each of these patterns, you discuss the psychology of each of the patterns and the gifts, can you tell the, our listeners about the psychology behind each of these patterns and the gifts we receive uh, when we are in one of these patterns? Yeah. Um, we'll have to condense this a lot because each of those chapters is 50 pages long. And oh, it's, yeah. It's a lot it's, of material. It's a lot of material, um, and it is hard to kind of consolidate, but in a 40-minute yeah, interview... But, you, have to kind of get out what yeah. we get out. <laughs> but you can, you can, everything actually arises from that safety strategy that is the foundation of the pattern and the beginning of the pattern. Um, people who, for instance, who uh, do the leaving pattern, um, because they didn't quite finish the embodiment pra- uh, process, didn't really settle into the physical plane, they're still connected to other dimensions, which means they not only have the ability to leave here, they have the ability to go somewhere else and they can get very useful stuff from other dimensions. They can download answers and um, amazing creative stuff from other dimensions. If you think about, for instance, Mozart, composing this music as fast as he did, one way to think about it is he wasn't like creating it new with his mind. He was just downloading it from another dimension. I'm told by the people who can go there that there is actually a dimension that is music. Um, and the, the thing that happens with each of these patterns is that Well, first of all, as kids, we all try out all five of these safety strategies in our situation, our family, our culture, our brothers and sisters and our parents. We try out all five of these repeatedly and we see which ones will work for us. And then whatever works, we do again. We keep repeating. Whatever didn't work, we discard. Now, in order to make a pattern or in order to make a safety strategy work for us, we have to have certain talents or certain abilities to start with. So if we have those abilities, the the ones that you need to make this pattern work, then as we repeat this safety strategy and as it develops into a whole personality pattern, we are effectively practicing those same skills over and over and over again and those develop into the gifts of that particular pattern so yeah we're adopting we're adopting this behavior at an early age as a result of 
right. survival or protecting ourselves or whatever it might be. Um, do you have a, a particular story that might relate to the readers about one of your clients that came to you and you helped either transmute this pattern or a pattern that they had? I think sometimes people learn very well when they hear a story. It's not that a pattern gets transmuted. It's more, you actually alluded to it earlier, it's more that a person learns to recognize when they've gone into pattern and take steps to come back out of the pattern and be present again. They, they don't go into the pattern as deeply and they can come out of it more rapidly. So a person learns to be present more and more of the time and it takes more and more distress to put the person into pattern. Uh, so the stories are really stories of people who initially are caught in something and then um, get uncaught, get unstuck, get out of prison, if you will. The, um, the time that this became clearest to me was I had been working with a, a woman on the various things that were driving her nuts about herself and the, the people she was interacting with. And after we had worked together for, I don't know, six or eight months or maybe a year, and things were wrapping up, she had really changed a great deal. She said to me, you've given me back my life. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, I am free again to love who I want to love, to feel happy when I want to feel happy, to, to be scared at things that really do scare me, but not scared all the time. And I had never thought of it like that before. This happened, oh, 15, 20 years ago, probably. Um, but I was really amazed at her clarity in that statement, you've given me back my life. Well, and I think that's what uh, you do in this book. You help people, you give them a tool, right? Here's a tool. Exactly. You can choose to use this tool. A whole set of tools. Right. To awaken mm -hmm. to what you're saying is true, to quote, who you really are or your true self. Mm -hmm. yes. I think sometimes people have been masked so long by these patterns um, mm -hmm. that, and the pain is so deep that they don't really even know who they are. They wouldn't even recognize them if they walked by, um, if yeah. that makes sense to you. Um, and so these patterns continue until the day they die. Um, yes. and, and then if people believe in reincarnation, sometimes they're coming back again to redo it and figure out, you know, what it is that they needed to change. Um, but you speak about secondary patterns of the primary pattern. Yeah. And can, and that's where I kind of alluded to a few minutes ago that, um, you know, there, if you were in a pattern of leaving, merging, enduring, might be a combination of these patterns. Can you briefly yes. explain the secondary patterns and, and how this works? Yeah. The, the first thing that's really important for people to understand about this is it's not a typology. The Enneagram and the Myers-Briggs type indicator really are typologies. And they say you are a so-and-so type and you stay that type your whole life. 
and be like, birth to death, that's what type you are. This is different. It, it does not say you are a type. What it says is that your, um, your body and your mind have become deeply conditioned to take a particular path to try to feel safer whenever you feel distressed. There are these five different safety strategies. And you can go into these, one of these safety strategies, one of these patterns, but you can also come back out and there is such a thing as being present. You can be there more if you can disidentify from your patterns and actually come back to being present. Now, in terms of uh, primary and secondary patterns, it turns out that a person does more than just one of these safety strategies. Typically, a person will do two of them. Some people even do three. And if you can watch yourself as you move from, you know, feeling completely safe and content and happy and no, no distress at all, to a little bit distressed, a little annoyed, frustrated maybe, and then a little bit more distressed, and then a lot more distressed, and then major distress. If you can watch yourself kind of go up that scale and watch for these five safety strategies, you'll probably be able to notice that when you first get distressed, you go into one particular safety strategy and you use that one. And if that is working to manage your level of distress, you'll stay with that. But if you keep trying it and the distress is building and that method is not working for you, you'll shift to another one. And the, the amount of, of distress it takes to put a person into their second uh, strategy, their, their secondary pattern, depends on the person. Some people, you know, spend like 10% of their time only in their primary pattern and then 90% of their time in their backup. Other people might spend uh, 60% of their time in their primary pattern and only 40% of their time in their backup. But most people, like you had said before, most people, most of us are so identified with one or with both of our personality patterns that we actually think that's who we are, and we will even defend it. We'll say, well, that's just how I am. That's just me. That You can't right. change that. Right. And that's really not you. But uh, It isn't. No. You, you are your presence, your essence. Yeah, I remember when we were, uh, when I was at uh, USM, and we would talk about this same thing, pattern, pattern recognition, right? Mm-hmm. And we we would always say if there was a camera following you 24 hours and you watched back the video uh-huh you know, um what are the patterns that you express that are serving you versus those that aren't and it it really is when you think about your life mm-hmm. somebody walked mm-hmm. around with a camera with you all day long and you really looked at what you did um would you be happy with a lot of the actions that you have taken and the things that you've yeah. done and interactions you've done you'd probably find out that there'd be a lot of things you did that not only didn't serve you, but certainly didn't serve the people that were around you. Um, yeah. You know, like you say, you get in this pattern of being rigid. So uh, no, I don't mm-hmm. have to do that. 
So, mm-hmm. you know, you conclude this book, uh, really, you state that whenever we are in a pattern, our first job is getting ourselves out of the pattern and back to the presence. And you've said that yeah. many times during this interview. But, and I think this is the important point, and this is one of your last chapters in the book. What are some of the techniques that you recommend for getting out of the pattern or at least noticing that we're in the pattern and being yeah. able to jolt ourselves back out and you say maintaining presence? In other words, hey, if this whole thing is about maintaining presence and being here now, how do we be here now and how do we maintain this presence? Yeah. So the first thing um, about getting out of pattern, the first requirement is you have to be able to recognize that you're in pattern now. That means you have to understand this map of the personality patterns and be able to identify not only which patterns you go into, but how you know when you have gone into one of your patterns. And I go through that for each of the patterns in the book. Then in terms of coming out of pattern, there are two basic things that a person needs to do. Uh, One thing is to clear out the traumas that are stuck in your body, which are fueling the patterns and making it making it much more um, making it seem imperative to you that you go into that behavior as soon as you get distressed. Now, clearing out trauma is something that we have not been able to do in psychology for the first hundred years. Luckily, in the last 15, 20 years in psychology, we have begun to develop tools known as energy psychology, and those are the first tools we've ever had, actually, to clear trauma out of the body. The one that I like best is called emotional freedom technique, or EFT, or tapping. Pretty simple, uh, pretty easy for people to learn. Uh, For deep trauma, it's always better to have someone who really knows it, who does it with you. But it's it's an amazingly effective tool. Now, the the other uh, path that a person, the other thing a person needs to do to be able to come out of pattern or not go into pattern so rapidly is um, to be able to, to develop a whole set of energy skills that every mature adult person needs to have, but most of us never got taught. And those are, um, those are often referred to as the basic energy skills. And they are the sense of core, a felt sense of the core of your own body, so you know that you are here and where you are and how to reference yourself. The second is a connection into the ground, into the earth. That's known as ground or grounding. The third is uh, holding an energetic edge or boundary around yourself. This is different from psychological boundaries. The two work together, but this is actually an energetic boundary that functions the same way a cell wall functions for a cell in that it regulates what comes into your space. If you don't have a strong energetic boundary, other people's energies, whether they're happy or unhappy energies, can wander into your space 
and you start to think that that feeling is is part of you. So then you get confused about who you are. And the fourth basic energetic skill is known as me, not me. And that is uh, the skill of distinguishing what of all this stuff that's here in my space is actually me versus what is not me and I need to clean it out. So this is a way of cleaning your space and getting rid of all the stuff that's wandered in that isn't you and shouldn't be there. And then filling your space with your own energy so that you literally feel full of yourself, not full of all these other people and their demands about who you should be. Well, that last technique sounds wonderful. Um, And obviously for all of my listeners, Stephen, um, if they want to get more exposed to them, we're certainly going to send them to your website, which is the uh-huh. five personality patterns.com. That is the, yeah. the, the number five personality patterns. The five personality patterns.com is where you'll want to go. There mm-hmm. you can learn more about Stephen's book, The Five Personality, personality Patterns, Your Guide to Understanding Yourself and Others and Developing Emotional Maturity. These would be the ways you can also uh, go up there and look at YouTube, some videos that he's got. Um, You can look Mm -hmm. at the trainings. He's got a free webinar coming up. Um, The keys to self uh, confidence. Is that the one or which one is the one that we have coming? The key key to self confidence is the one that's coming up. That's the introduction. I'm actually going to be teaching a course online in February and March that will be. basically teaching the people in the course these energetic uh, skills, the ones that I just went over, the basic energetic skills. It'll be seven weeks of practice together in learning those skills. Well, and so what we're going to do is we're going to put a link up there on our blog entry, Stephen, for our listeners to be able to uh, get to that and sign up for that course. You can buy this book directly off of his website, or you obviously can go to Amazon to get a copy of this book. We'll put a link to Amazon Mm -hmm. as well. We'll also have a link to the YouTube video where Stephen is uh, discussing this. So we'll put some links there as well. For all my listeners, uh, you really should pick up a copy of Stephen's book, especially if you've been uh, wanting to, I want to call it, if you want to change some of these patterns or at least recognize mm-hmm. the patterns that you're in. Um, this is a, an exceptionally well-written book. Um, it's easy to understand. You don't have to be a psychologist to pick this book up and read it and understand where you are. You'll get it. Um, and then go to Stephen's website, if you would. Um, check it out further, and we'll put a link to the course as well that he'll be teaching in February. Um, Stephen, it's been a pleasure having you on Inside Personal Growth this morning talking with my listeners about the five personality patterns. Um, Do you have any parting words you'd like to leave for our listeners before uh, we move on? First, I just want to thank you very much for your interest in this book and for all the work you're doing to help all your listeners grow and transform their lives. And uh, secondly, about this particular material and in, in particular, just to think that This is actually the way to regain control over your life. Instead of your life being run by your personality patterns, 
by all the automatic reactions that you have in life. This is the key to uh, being able to regain control over your life and live your life intentionally. So I well, want to offer that to people. I think knowledge is the key to anything, and it's applied knowledge. It isn't just knowledge, mm-hmm. it's applied knowledge, right? So it has to be embodied. Yeah. When this book, you know, you take the techniques from the book and you apply them, then you understand how powerful can it be. Um, it's just like a podcast. You can listen to the podcast, but if you don't mm-hmm. actually take action, it's you, you just really haven't done anything. And, and Stephen did refer to us this morning and all these different modalities, you know, there's energy work you can get in, there's acupuncture, mm-hmm. there's, you know, massage mm-hmm. therapy, there's all these ways that you can actually move energy through the body. But to identify where you are and what energy needs to be moved is really a key. And that's a key to this book is understanding what you're doing to yourself and how to actually get yourself out of that situation and at least identify it. Mm -hmm. You've done a fantastic job of informing our listeners. Stephen, thanks for being on the show. And we look forward to having you back again soon. Thank you so much, Greg. This podcast is brought to you by Amy Jen Su, the author of a new book entitled The Leader You Want to Be, Five Essential Principles for Bringing Out Your Best Self Every Day. Please listen to podcast number 755, where Greg and Amy discuss the principles of purpose, process, people, presence, and peace. These qualities help make great leaders become even better. Learn more about the importance of using these principles in your role as a leader and how you can become more centered, grounded, and focused as a leader in this business world where more is always expected. I hope you enjoy this great interview with author Amy Jen Su about her new book, The Leader You Want to Be. For more information about Amy and her new book, please visit www.paraviz, spelt P-A-R-A-V-I-S, partners.com, backslash our dash latest dash book. Thanks for listening.